Hi, it's Mariah Balenciaga at RuPaul's DragCon, representing with Block Talk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. We want more patrons. Become one today at patreon.com slash theater in the now. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. hear the word iconic you think of brad goreski's show the madonna song and a colonoscopy but today we speak to someone who is iconic for being a hoe it's heidi ho oh hello michael how, how are, are you? you i'm very well thank you for that kind intro of course now we just finished drag Hong weekend how was that for you it was uh amazing and exhausting it's all of the above uh crazy wild ride i still haven't recovered yesterday was my first day off since the weekend yeah and i didn't have time to rest what were some of like the highlights for you i loved just kind of seeing some of my good gal pals who have gone on to be up in there and walking around and kind of getting that recognition from them because i don't really think that way about who i am i just kind of like bop around the city all the time so you know when Cracker is like Heidi and waves from you across the room or or Bob yells at my boyfriend as he's walking away because he's like you need to say hi to me it makes me feel good that they're still part of our community did you get to meet anyone you've never met before that you like fangirled out about you know it was really cool working the Alcone booth on Sunday Amanda Lepore was Mm -hmm. their um, big photo op and to see her there and to be working so closely with her and just get to have like a small Exchange because you know she always says the same things to everyone who talks to her, but still to be like, oh, it's so good to see you again, yeah. you know, Heidi Ho, just saying your name in your face is really helpful. Uh, yeah, it was like a marvel to just watch her all day long. That's fun. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about you. We're gonna learn everything there is about you. Oh my! Okay. The fans want to know. <laughs> oh yes, so the we're, two we're, to three fans exactly. they want to know. Uh, we're gonna start from the very beginning. Where are you from? Um, well, I don't like to give my origin planet away because that's very difficult for the government to track us if I don't give that information out. But I was officially born in Roswell, New Mexico. I was raised in a really small town called Artesia. Uh, it's in the southeast corner of New Mexico, kind of close to Texas. And it's a very rural oil town, oil and football kind of town. And I uh, lived there, was born and raised there until I was 18. Did you play any football? I lied when I came to New York and told people that I played football, but I definitely did not play no. football. No, I was one of, I was part of the spirit squad. Because of course I, you were. Of I course. wanted to be, you know, in, but that just meant that nobody ran against me as spirit leader. So I got to hold a position for my college resumes that meant nothing. I made banners for a float one time. So 18, you leave New Mexico and where do you head? I headed right here to New York City. And you went to? I went to AMDA, the American Musical and Drag Academy. I started there just a few weeks after I graduated college. And then uh, I do what they call a fast track. I started mm-hmm. in the summer and I did their four semesters in summer, fall, spring, summer and got out within the next year. And what was that like? What was the AMDA experience for you? I would say very interesting because I was so young. And um, when I moved to New York, I weighed over 200 pounds. I was a, I was a heftier high school kid. And I always say that I went in as a Nathan Lane type and I left as a Matthew Broderick type. Okay. So like I lost all this weight and I, you know, had just a more active lifestyle and I made a lot of amazing friends, but my teachers didn't necessarily know what to do with me. And I wasn't, you know, old enough or experienced enough to know how I needed to be for a Broadway truck so dedicated. 
so I think that I, I lost a lot of opportunity that I could have had in that school for sure, but I, I gained lifelong friends and I had unforgettable experiences. I Anyone that we may know now that you um, went to school with? Uh, Britta Filter was my orientation leader. We have known each other since we fir- since I very first moved here. And there's a, there's a bunch of cool kids who've gone through AMDA that, that you wouldn't expect to, you know. And I, what's funny now about my Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane story is I'm Uma Thurman in the end. I yeah. didn't even play either of them. Now, you went to school at AMDA. Was there something you were like, this is going to be my future career path. I want to be an actor. I want to be a writer. I want to be a director. What did you want to do? Well, when I uh, visited New York as a kid, it was I was in the sixth grade. And we saw Phantom, and I had always been like doing after school acting and whatever little things I could do in New Mexico. And I was like, oh my gosh, they can sing and act on the stage at the same time. Like, I want to do that. I was obsessed with that. So, my whole junior high, high school career was spent. I was in show choir and choir and was obsessed with musical theater. I knew that was my track. I was going to be the, the small hometown kid who made it out. But you know that world. It's a very, very sure competitive do. and dedicated world. And I don't think that I was really put in the right place at the right time. Nor did I care that much. I think after I got out of it, I realized that musical theater people are very intense. A little bit, a little bit. You know, and I didn't necessarily know if I was one of them. So I didn't like, you know, the auditions or the cattle calls or the opportunities to go on little tours outside. You know, a lot of my friends did that too. And that was great to see them succeed. But when I wasn't, no I was No theater like, works tours what? for you? No theater works tours for me, no. And I, I did drive a lot, so I would have been an asset to them. Yeah. Could have driven that cube truck everywhere. Did you have any, like, dream roles that you wanted to play? Oh, well, of course, Phantom would have been that dream mm-hmm. role. You know, when you're a kid and you see that immediately, you're like, that's what I want to do. That It's the inspirational role, and he's, like, masculine and also has this mask that he wears the whole time, which mask is for kind mask. of hot. Mask for mask, bro. Um, I, I actually really like Emmett from Legally Blonde mm-hmm. as a musical role. I'm not going to lie. I'm very fond of that musical. But that song sucks. I know. It's so bad. Couldn't they have written something better for yeah. him? I mean, I have a chip on my shoulder, too, so I understand. <laughs> I really bonded with it. I think Bat Boy is probably one of the coolest mm-hmm. things that I would have been able to play as a role. You know, once I left, I, they were like, you'll be cast as the kid. When I started, they are like, you'll be cast as, like, Nicely Nicely Johnson. Yeah. Now... With AMDA, you go when you're like 18, mm-hmm. you leave when you're like 19 or 20. 19, yeah. And you're basically told you've, you're an adult, be you an adult it. in New York City. What was that like? Intimidating. I will say I definitely lost um, all of the savings from my high school jobs in that first year because I found places where I could drink underage. Um, so I was like, I was living a lot of experiences. I definitely went out on the town and found the way I could. I mean, the day my parents left me on Sunday of orientation, it was Pride, and that night I was at Rush. You know, like, I was, I had to find my people and find my place. So I think I used a lot of my time that way, and it only took me about a year of auditioning and bouncing around and maybe even wasting time to know that I needed to continue my education and go to new school to get my full degree. And what was that like? Um... Really cool. I really like the new school. I think that what I got to do there was pick and choose what I wanted to study. That's where I found um, screenwriting, and oh, I took all of their film education courses. I learned how to operate the camera. I learned what they needed on set. I, I learned how to put together um, screenplays for television and for uh, the feature films. And that's when I think I knew where I finally wanted to focus my energy, because I've always been a storyteller and a writer first, but I'm very spastic in the way that I tell stories 
with screenwriting, you tell exactly what you see. It was like methodical, and I knew, oh, I can follow that. I, that's something yeah. I can do. Like it's a list of instructions. I can do it. And then and then everyone knew exactly what I was saying because I'm telling them what they're seeing. Now we all joke that Amda is like the gateway dra- drug to drag. <laughs> yes. When did drag into your life? Well, uh, it, actually, we were going to do got to get a gimmick as drag queens when I was at AMDA, but they we ended up not being able to do it because of, you know, different teacher and student headbutting extravaganzas. Naturally. Um, so it actually had nothing to do with me doing drag at AMDA at all. I will say that when I was a child, I told my mom for Halloween I wanted to be a witch. And she's like, great, your brother was a witch. I mean, he's five years older than me, so like, he's been a lot of things. She's like, I still have green pain and a crooked nose and like this cape. And I'm like, oh, no, mom. Here, I want to be this witch. And I point to Sarah Jessica Parker on the cover of Hocus Pocus. And so, bless her heart, my mom took me to the local fabric store and, and bought the purple laces and everything that I picked out and made me a Sarah Sanderson costume and paraded me around the neighborhoods as a beautiful little witch. And they would be like, oh, your daughter's so beautiful, your daughter's so beautiful. And she'd be like, thank you, but it's my son. Thank you, but that's my son. And then by the end of the night, she was just like, thank you, isn't she? Yes, she is. So I think I was actually a very early drag queen. But I, that, I feel like that's a character many young drag queens will play. Yes, for sure. Well, she was Sanderson empowering. Sisters. Yeah, well, they all were very empowering in different ways, you know, because they, they were powerful. They were looked at as outsiders. They got to come back and live and as fish out of water. And a lot of gay people feel like they have a fish out of water story. Um, but as, I guess as far as, like, encountering my first drag queen... I had some friends who wanted to meet at Therapy, the bar, to go. Um, they watched a show there every Monday. And they're like, you would love it. Come, come by. And so I come. And they're sitting downstairs because they were lesbians. And they didn't like the rigmarole that goes on upstairs beforehand. And they just go up and they'd watch the show and the drag show and come back down. And so the drag queen's coming around and she just stops at her table to chat with us. Because um, I guess in the olden days, like I like to think it's a lot about interpersonal reactions mm-hmm. too, not just death drops, foot flops and wig flips. Um, and in Sahara Davenport just reached across the table and touched my hand and said, how are you doing today? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm on this show, RuPaul's Drag Race. Like I do this viewing party upstairs. It's going to start in about 10 minutes and then afterwards I'm going to do a little show. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, these girls brought me here for it. I'm so excited. And I was watching that and I was just like, what? What is she doing? What this? Oh my gosh, she's, she was singing and dancing and she was on point and like it was everything that I wanted to be. Um, and I was like, I can be Sarah Sanderson in real life, too, if I want to do this. How would you describe Heidi in three words? Oh, three words. I love that question. Um, okay. Stupid. Yes. Sexy. Yes. And I guess for a third word, I like to make shit up, so I'm just going to say ho-esque. Ho-esque is right. I, I, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. What is the origin story of the drag name? Oh, I lo- origin stories for drag names are so boring, but sometimes they can be really great. Uh, this one isn't. I just thought of it. I was just walking down the street one day and thought of it. Um, my boyfriend put it on a list, and when he wrote it down, H-O-E, I said, no, you have to you have to spell it H-A-U-X, like faux, because drag queens love puns. I just knew mm-hmm. immediately it had to be that way. When I first was like thinking about wanting to become a drag queen as a little boy, I thought maybe my name would be Kylie Rouge. Um, I don't know why. I guess because okay, my boy okay. name is Kyler, and I liked Moulin Rouge. I was like, you stupid, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. I did play rock band with a bunch of friends for a couple of years. I mean, I can't believe I said I played rock band for a couple of years. I think it was I really I mean, months. I did too. I, I love rock band. But I would show up in, like, 
a snuggie as a cape that I had put boas all around and like smeared makeup and they called me Judy Sexcox on our rock bar nights. So there was, a, there was some of those things early on that happened, but nothing official. Yeah, I mean, Heidi Ho just like it rolls off the tongue. I mean, I've heard rumors that like a pop star like may have made a song about it. Oh, definitely. There is a song coming out in the works because it is such a thing. And I don't think that she knew she was writing a song about me. <laughs> I think I subliminally snuck into her head because she had judged me twice during So You Think You Can Drag. Uh, but I think that it's a drag name that should have already existed. I yeah. Googled it, you know, six years ago before I was ready to be a drag queen. I was like, I'm. is there anyone else that has it? Yeah, couldn't find any clips, couldn't find anything about it. And I'm sure there are ones that have it now. Probably. But I started I mean, first I'll, and I spelled my name differently, so fuck it. I mean, it. also, like, six years ago, there were, like, 30 drag queens, that was it. <laughs> there were there were 300 and now there are 300,000. It's true. I mean, I've seen 300 plus drag queens in New York City alone this past year. Yeah, you sure have. And there is a lot I've missed. Yeah, you still have 100 shows left to it's go. It's ridiculous. But how long does it take to transform into Heidi? I like to give myself two hours. It's a standard time. I mean, if I really want to be dedicating to experimenting on something, three is nice for shaving and feeling luxurious and taking time for smoke breaks and whatnot while getting ready. But I can do it fast. I have, I definitely have developed things, especially working at Lips, to create a fast beat. Because any Lips girl will know sometimes you just haven't been able to get there on time or you woke up a little late for brunch and you got to slap that shit together in 20 minutes. Um, now, are you going to make a video like Pearl did about the do's and don'ts of drag makeup? Um, well, I felt very attacked by Pearl's video. I was looking at some old pictures of me, and that's that don't face looks very much like early Heidi Ho. So maybe I'm just going to put two pictures side by side. Who are some of your drag inspirations? Oh, Pearl, definitely. Um, no, well, she is hot, and I still keep her dick pics saved, I, so maybe... L- listen, listen, I was a big Pearl Pearl fan, like, wanted to... You, you wanted to root for her too, but I'm just not sure I'm here anymore for like the giant lips and the fake teeth and the Botox with the face that doesn't move anymore. Right? Yeah, I hear you. Well, as Rue says, there's like a different race of humans that form after a certain amount of surgeries, mm-hmm. and I'm all for the Hunger Games capital race if they would like to start going there. But um, <laughs> as far as drag inspirations, I guess uh, definitely Lipsinka. I have to say, Judy Darling showed me Lipsinka when she first moved here, uh, when we first became friends about five years ago, before we were drag queens, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. It's, that's, I love, she's referencing all these films, all I want to do is reference stuff that I like, which is what's so appealing about drag. When I started in the scene, um, Bob the Drag Queen was very nurturing in the way of providing spaces for people. Look Queen was definitely a space Mm -hmm. where I got to come and experiment all the time at the beginning, uh, we won't mention the bar that it was at, but nope. um, I I will say that I, I find her a big inspiration. Her and Tina Burner's comedy just really sails to the roof. I can't get enough of that. So you were a part of a little show called So You Think You Can Drag. Oh, I definitely was. It's one of my highlights of drag. I love it being part of my roster. Season six. Season six. The Bianca the in- Del Rio the season. infamous season six. Oh, it was kind of infamous, wasn't it? Tell us about your experience so i have this like katya experience with and she's definitely one of the biggest drag inspirations mm-hmm. by the way if we're gonna say real girls it's definitely katya uh she said this thing at the all-stars reunion like she never wanted to win she just wanted to be part of the family and she's like one of the most successful parts of the family absolutely that's how i felt about so you think you can drag that was a place that i would go to so you think you drag to watch um these performances that 
just made my mouth drop to watch people explore. Watching Dusty Ray Bottoms' journey through season five is like what really made me want to be that. <clears throat> that like I wanted to be in that competition because you got to see so many different girls do different things. Uh, so when I started, it was like, thank God I'm here. Just thank you for being here. And somewhere along the road, it was really cool with that season because everyone was kind of having a win at a week. You know, everyone was, the talent was really spread across. And the 100% definition of So You Think You Can Drag is Juicy Lou's art from that season, mm -hmm. where I walked in the door not knowing who she was. Halfway through, I thought, oh my gosh, maybe I have a chance to win this. Like, people are liking what I'm doing. Not just my friends are coming, but, you know, Paige's fans and other people in the audience are telling me that they're responding well. Uh, and then Juicy having first performed in drag that one day and then winning that crown at the end of that week, I, I don't think I could have lost to anyone else. I, I, I was a little bitter at the end, I'm not going to lie, who everyone wants to win, but I love her as a sister and I love all of my sisters from that season. It, it, I wouldn't give up that experience for the world. And you were a part of the final season, the All-Star season. All-Stars! Were you surprised to be asked to come back, to be one of the ten? Absolutely not. No, I was not surprised, Michael. I, I would have been surprised if I wasn't asked. I would have been so sad. Like, what did I do wrong? But I, I definitely had more to give, and I love that stage. I think that that being an inspiration to me... I was so happy to have that opportunity to come back and try just a couple yeah. more things. Yeah, a couple more things, like adding like 30 people to a stage for a Kill Bill number. Yes, the Kill Bill number. Both of those seasons yeah. are infamous. Okay? I mean, iconic. Six and, and All-Stars. What was your journey in between the two seasons like? Well, I kind of had a year of, after So You Think You Can Drag, of doing a couple of more one-off competitions. I tried the Lady Liberty. I went out to um, Ice Palace Princess in Fire Island. I hadn't really solidified any gigs, but I was constantly guesting. But I had lips, so I was still paying my mm -hmm. um, all my rent and everything full time in drag. So I kind of was had a waiting game, and then I got hoeing around about a, a full year after my So You Think You Can Drag season, and then opportunities just, opportunities just started unfolding from there. And I think that once All Stars came up, it was really like a yeah, Heidi, we like to we like what you're doing in the community. We want people to to still see more of you because that Hell's Kitchen crowd is kind of mm -hmm. hard to break into. Yeah, absolutely, as a drag queen in the industry, you know they're a very tight knit family, and a couple of bars kind of own each other, and they they hold that those spaces for their girls. So Paige giving us the opportunity to be seen by the crowd who doesn't want to travel too far, and people who really are excited about new drag or drag that just makes them cheer. Uh, especially Shade, Queens of NYC, being a part of that, filming that. Yeah. You know, it was it was just, I knew by being there, everything that we were doing was part of our goal anyway, to further ourselves as artists, to help the community, you know, to lift each other up. All of that was happening during All-Stars. I think it was less competitive than any of the other seasons. It was only four weeks. Yeah, it was it was quick. And I mean, I know the, as an audience member, we were like, we want more. Give us more. <laughs> yeah, I, but I was exhausted. I don't think I had any more to give. What was the biggest takeaway you got from So You Think You Can Drag? All overall, both seasons. Both of them. Um, be humble, totally, because there were there were times that I I thought I really deserved things. When you know you don't deserve anything, you really you don't. You you earn a lot of things, but even those are really fortunate to have. So when I was a newcomer and I worked up and and I almost won but didn't, I had to be humble about 
how far I had gotten anyway. Just be thankful for the opportunities that you got. Um, also, it was a it was a big learning experience because that first season I didn't have the the true um, tools to execute everything I wanted, and that second season I had more people to lean on. I had friends and a support system. So. Um, being humble and allowing those people to take credit where credit is due like that Kill Bill number was not me that was a, a, all 30 of those people yeah you know I may be creative director and whatever mix mixologist of it but it is a group effort they say it takes a village people it's true so you are as you said living the dream working at Lips yes Lips restaurant drag show palace tell us about that experience I, I mean, I can say so many things about Lips, but they are a solid business model. They have been around for 20 years in New York City. Some of the queens that work there to, to this day have been there since the beginning, which is really cool to think about because drag drag wasn't that big of a deal then. It was a different, whole different world. Yeah. So I've learned so much from working there. When I was the new girl hired, I was really right place right time I lived cross town and I could get there in a notice and they were like we just need someone because girl I was not cute but they took a chance on me and people taught me makeup trip tri tricks um, I've got a drag mother chandelier there who hand me down things ginger snap lets me buy old costumes from her and just hands me wigs all the time um, it's when you, because I, I worked hard it taught me to just learn you know learn the ropes of somebody somebody else's game so you can you can say that a I run drinks for bachelorettes all week, or you can say uh, I get a, a new batch of people to try my comedy on every night. Sometimes four new batches of people. I get my money before drag queens ever walk out the door for their midnight gigs. Um, but also like we're we're kind of slept on as drag queens in the city, though we make our money and a lot of us work elsewhere. You you do have a community there at the end of the day that that nobody's going to clock us. We're going to come for each other, even if we hate working with each other yeah. sometimes. Now, it is work, but yes. you do have a little fun there. Um, you are now the proud mother of a Lips baby. <laughs> yes. Um, you want to tell us about your dear daughter, Olivia Poop? Oh, of course. The story of Olivia Poop is great. Um, one brunch, <laughs> uh, some, some customer just left a baby doll toy there. And now, I had had a child at my table, and I assumed it was hers, but when I went back to see if it was the tables, they were gone. It was also left in a completely other section. So I don't know who was carrying around this small baby <laughs> and just left it in a chair sitting at the table at brunch. But one of the other girls took it, put it up on the shelf, and like had it cradle a bottle of Tabasco sauce. And I said, that's funny. So I took a picture of it. And I took the baby and I told our manager, hey, like, let's leave this in the office. If nobody comes for it, can I have it? And he said, yes. And nobody came for it. So after that week, I just started taking pictures of it all around. It's the biggest social media star Lips has ever seen. Bigger than Violet Tchotchke, who worked at Lips in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, no, it's only bigger than Violet Tchotchke's baby arm dick, probably. Nope. True, true. So not only do you work as a boy tender at the duplex, mm -hmm. you have your own show. Hell yes. around. Hoeing around, uh, as Ruby Rue would call it, a hoedown showdown, but really it's just that I'm the hoe who falls down at the end of the show. What kind of show do you like to bring there? You know, that is a very interesting space because you can have like a crowded room of people who are there for like a holiday or just like Wednesdays can be weird. Yeah. Uh, but it's also very intimate and sometimes I just have like a, a group of six people that I'm performing for while people stroll in and out they buy some drinks they watch a little bit of the show they go downstairs they sing some songs they come back up they use the bathroom they buy another drink you know it's like a really weird lounge so I like to give a mixture of like 
like jazzy cabaret stuff, um, some of my stupid mixes that people like to laugh at, uh, and and sometimes I take it as a time to stand on my soapbox. Like that's a space that they give me a lot of creative freedom, so I can say um, I can say almost whatever I want. You know, I can't be like preaching about the Kavanaugh thing on mic too much um but i will take time to talk about my family or or my goals to create a supportive environment and sometimes i'll do like a very emotional ballad and people respond really well to that i've lip-synced the entire michelle wolf correspondence dinner speech there and people gagged for it yeah. i got like 50 bucks in ones from that just people constantly throwing money at me now you dare we say you are booked to blessed uh let's discuss get happy hour pieces Oh yes, we got to plug host. all the bo- all of the gigs. Um, get happy hour at pieces. I took over from Vita Summers just a few months ago when our dear sister left us for sunnier pastures in Fort Lauderdale. But she will be back October twenty seventh. I'm having her as a guest, so we can have a get happy reunion. Uh, but that I mean, I've been doing that happy hour as a guest and coming and watching it since Dusty had it, and it was had it happy hour. That was one of our prizes for the first season I was in a So You Think You Can Drag. We got to host a week of that. And a lot of us, like, used each other. Yeah. So I did, like, four weeks in a row because, I don't know, maybe I'm likable. I'm unsure about <laughs> that. And so it's a kind of always been a staple home, and it's a gig I really, really wanted. And so when Vita and Ruby were going to bat for me to tell, you know, the the establishment to pick me up and really trust me, uh, I, I, was very, I was humbled by that. And I'm yeah. super thankful to have that gig. So please, everyone, come to get happy hour on Saturdays at Pieces. It's from 4 to 8, and our deals are amazing. Also, I'm there. It's true. It's true. What New York City drag queen that you've yet to work with is on your dream list? Oh, Keisha Carr. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. She, I admire her so much, and I just haven't had a chance to work with her. We have you know gigs on similar nights, so I have never gotten to see her since she's gone into the help. Um, she took over and made reparation Tuesdays at Barracuda, you know, and I was on Tuesdays there a lot with when Cracker and Judy were there. That's something that I would try to go out and see my sister at. Um, now I'm just like so exhausted after lips. I have to hoof it over to the townhouse for a four dollar drink. But no, I think I, I think that that's the one person I would really love to work with in the city. She's, I admire a lot of what she does and how she makes her drag. She's smart. She, sta- she stands her ground. She's eloquent. She looks good. Truth. Mm-hmm. If you could create any show at any venue, what would, what would it be called and what can we expect to see? Wow. Okay. Well, this is a cool plug, actually, because um, as you know, Kill Bill was probably one of my most like lauded after things I wanted to do and that was not an original plan of So You Think You Drag that week I was going to do a number from Nine Cinema mm-hmm. Italiano but you know good Judy Darling said trust your gut bitch you love Kill Bill and you want to do a huge Vogue out of it and I said yes you know I had seen um, on YouTube these these like um, foreign queens and oh God, I'm, I know I'm going to get this wrong maybe Costa Rica I think uh, doing a bunch of different Harry Potter numbers and they're voguing the house down and you've got Umbridge and you've got Bellatrix and you've got Voldemort. And I was like, that was super inspiring. How can I do stuff like that? So I am actually working on it for the end of the month of October. I'm doing Scream Queens, the first season as a full lauded out lip sync opera, two acts, voguing characters, deaths, video sequences, all of it that you want, you know, sexy boys and campy queens, drag kings, burlesque performances. 
Um, I would say that the ideal stage for that is like something like the So You Think You Drag stage, which we don't always get. So we're probably going to bring it into maybe the lip stage, which is a huge venue mm-hmm. for people to be at. Um, it's hard when you want to do off the wall things like that that people don't see in drag all the time at such a big capacity because New York really does have small stages. Yeah. So maybe like an actual theater, that would be a dream. We'll call the public, see if they're available. Okay, thank you. Yes. <laughs> now, if people don't know, you are the host of the incredible competition here in Astoria, Iconic. Oh, how could they not know about hashtag Iconic, a new drag competition? Uh, I am indeed the host. I'm following in such drag inspirations like Paige Turner's Stead and trying to bring the public some up-and-coming drag while I get paid to talk about it (laughs) what was this first season like now that we've officially wrapped it up it was surreal it was exhausting um it was similar to my experiences of so you think you can drag where it was just like it happened it seemed like so much work and then when it's over it's all a days you're like whoa that was actually so quick yeah uh it was it was really cool to watch these girls bring it week after week to the stage i have to say it was a lot more heartbreaking than i expected because i invested Mm -hmm. in 10 girls you know uh, and then nine girls, and then ten again for the finale, and I I was just so sad to see when they would sashay away, or in that last night, everyone put a lot of personal grief and inspiration, blood, sweat, and tears into their own numbers. So to see only one girl walk away with a prize package is is always hard. But I didn't win my my stuff, so I completely understand where they're coming at, and that's definitely not the end. It was super cool to watch these girls grow. What? Why is it an important competition? Well, there isn't anything like it in Queens, for one, which is great because I've worked at Icon um, all summer on Saturdays and hosted Iconic on Sundays, so I got to meet a lot of the regulars who come into Icon, and it was a really great crowd. People that were there, people wanted to support me, so they would come back on Sundays, even though they didn't had no idea that it was going to happen beforehand, because all they did was come get drunk on Saturdays. Right. But then they were coming back on a new night, meeting new people, and then some, now these girls have different uh, weeklies or monthlies there, and people are coming back to watch those shows. So it, I love that. It's very important because you're showing that in a neighborhood like this that doesn't get that exposure. What was one of your favorite stories or moments from the season? Okay, well, um, I'm going to give two. Sure. I'm going to say that Andy Starling, if you guys don't know her, don't sleep on her, the superb Andy Starling on Instagram, she got to the top a couple of times, but it, it really took her, like I think her third lip sync, to nab that um, weak win. But her actress reactions on stage, when she, because she had things planned, but other people do things around her, the way she reacted to other people stands out to me because I'm like, ha ha ha, yes, that's, that's the drag that we want to see. Um, and then there's Sissy Watkins' bussy number. She did during Horror Week a PSA about bussy, and it was graphic and horrifying. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I, I had to watch the video that was playing behind her as the mentor, and they would send me you know, songs and samples before she did her number, so I was trying not to look at it while she was doing her number, because it's very traumatizing. And sex stuff can not always be funny if you take it in a realistic way, so it really walked that line. Yeah, I mean, rumor has it there may be a sex week for season two. I, you know, we got to bring her back to do that number somehow. <laughs> I told her that she needs to pitch it to every girl in the city around Halloween. Like she, People need to see that yeah. number. It was traumatizing 
missing, but like that's what Dragon's about. Mm-hmm. San Francisco Drag needs to see that number. Yeah. They'd now love it. speaking of season two, what what can we expect? Is there anyone you want to see compete? Oh well, I want to see everyone compete. Every single queen. I want Tina Burner to com- enter. <laughs> um, Paige Turner should enter. Uh, could you imagine though if we had like a a, a true all star season, leg- like a legend, an iconic season yeah. of iconic? Um, no, I don't. I can't even say because a lot of these girls, I didn't know some of them when they started. Yeah. Um, some of them I hadn't heard of. Some of them I had seen perform. Some of them I knew personally, so it was a real good smattering. I kind of think I want the same thing. Um, I'm I'm not gonna lie. If I do want to plug for the fans of iconic, Ducky Shea Boy was one of our queens, and she has like a whole house that she's a part of, and I would kind of love to see another member of that house because I find them very entertaining. Yeah, I mean, like, there there are a couple of girls out there right now who are, like, already been planning on being a part of season two. I know. And, well, let me just tell you now, girls, I had nothing to do with casting in season one. I'm going to have nothing to do with casting in season two. But please, continue to suck up to me if that's your goal. I would love <laughs> it. Um, I, <laughs> just come to my shows. It'll make me feel better. So I want to play a little game with Iconic. Okay. We're going to play the Iconic Superlatives. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give you a superlative, and you're going to tell me who wins it. Oh, like the end of the yearbook? Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to start off with most popular. Oh, most popular. Can it be Heidi Ho or does it have to be the contestants? It can be whatever um, you want. Most popular. That's a really hard one because everyone hated each other. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. Um, I think that the most popular person was Skip, the bartender. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. See, see what I'm doing here, girls. Good luck. <laughs> best dressed. Ooh, best dressed. This is hard, you know. Mm, I want to go ironic and say Aria Derchi, <laughs> but it, it was it was Andy Starling. She had some impeccable looks like that she got made, and I would d- definitely say that Sherry almost wins best dressed, especially with that last wig. But it was Andy. Most artistic. Sherry Poppins. Class clown. <laughs> it should be Sherry as well, but it's Aria Derchi. Most improved. Ooh, most improved. Um, let's go. Miss Is. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Cutest couple. Me and my boyfriend Scott Curley. <laughs> Biggest flirt. Oh, oh no! It's probably me. Um, Biggest flirt. Let's go with Nicole Anoscopy. Life of the party. Sissy Walken. For sure. Love her. Most likely to be knocked up. Most likely to be knocked up. Aria Derchi. Most likely to end up in jail. Hmm. I want to say Allegra White because it's super ironic. <laughs> She'd have somebody to bail her out. Yes, yeah, she would. She would. I'd be there if she needed it. And finally, most likely to be on a reality show. Ducky. Ducky Shea Boy. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. That was hard. I didn't expect that. No? I liked it. it. How did dragon politics go hand in hand? Like Red Rover, a bunch of hands in a bunch of hands. Um, Some queens don't touch politics, and that's fine, because drag is an art, and art is about expression. Not everyone's expression is about politics. Um, But we have, as a history and a community, we have been blurring lines. Uh, We have been awakening minds. We've been throwing bricks. Uh, so I think that to to try to shut yourself out of politics as a drag queen is nearly impossible. 
Uh, it's like Taylor Swift not taking a stand during the election. Like, girl, come on. Don't do that to us. So I think that, you know, it, it's a personal choice. I understand if queens don't, but I'm, I think that politics are very, very much a part of the lifeblood of my drag. Is it healthy to be competitive in the drag scene? And do you think rivalries build up naturally through the circuit? Yes, 100%. Um, I don't think that all competition is healthy. I think that being competitive is good in the right environments. Uh, doing competitions are good because they let you do that. Doing a pageant is good because they let you do that. What is not good is being competitive against girls about your weekly gigs, about what you're doing, about your material. There's no need to tear each other down because you think somebody does something better or worse than you. There's no need to drag somebody's talent because you are feeling insecure about yours. That's not the kind of competition that I think is healthy. I think that that's why people like Paige and people like you um, that's what, and Shaquita and Tina they have these sort of drag competitions whether they be weekly or cyclically you know Marty does UDP back to back to back because there there is an outlet for that girls are competitive naturally there are a lot of us we are men in the wild and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of I want to lift my leg and pee on my territory that happens but at the same time it can be a very inclusive community and if we're just lifting each other up I think that's a thousand percent easier than tearing each other down. Also, better on our nails. <laughs> if you can give one piece of advice to a drag performer just starting out, what would it be? Listen to yourself. Um, don't you can listen to as many other people as you want. Like a new drag queen's always asking advice. Do you want to see me in drag? Like, what about this? I'm thinking about this number. I think one of my least favorite things to hear from like a, a baby brand new queen is like her trying to talk me through her idea of a mix. Girl, I could help you with that. Just let me see you do it, and mm -hmm. then I'll be like, all right, that was funny, but here you need to focus more on knowing these words or or moving with intention or not moving so much. Like, I can critique after seeing. Um, I'd rather you just go out, listen to yourself, and do it, and then you can grow. The, the hardest thing is stepping out of the house when you put drag on your face. Like, even to this day, some of our biggest queens, like Sherry Vine is a true inspiration of mine. She, uh, people call me say that I look like her all the time. I say that I'm, I'm her unofficial drag daughter. And then some people are like, don't you mean granddaughter? And I'm like, that's ageist <laughs> and I hate you. Um, she probably even has trouble walking out the door sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. RuPaul probably has trouble stepping out of the door in drag sometimes because it, it can become very arduous because we have a lot put on our shoulders. Totally. So we're going to play my favorite game, Tea Time. Oh, Tea Time. Um, so you're going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters. Okay. Um, we have a fun little list, so we're gonna we're gonna see what you got to say. Okay. We're gonna start off with Juicy Lou. Oh, Juicy Lou. Well, here's the real tea, guys. Do you know the infamous season of season six? I don't think Juicy did anything wrong ever, so stop talking about it. She's the sweetest queen in the whole entire world. Like if I were to say anything truthful about her, it would only be nice. Uh she's like super manic and like a wild performer but the most kind chilling and relaxed person that you'll ever meet which i really think is probably pretty cool um very loyal like she's not going to do anything wrong ever yeah yeah she's great she's amazing ritzy bits oh i love ritzy bits uh definitely miss congeniality <laughs> in the most ironic of the sorts i super respect ritzy because she is uh, fierce she's fierce as fuck she'll She'll be really cunty, but she has that glimmer in her eye that, like, you know it's all part of her character. So, like, she she could read you the house on boots and be the shadiest person every single time you see her, but she's just telling you that you need to blend a little harder. It's a good sister thing to do. Mm -hmm. She's a true good sister. 
Next we have Strawberry Fields. Oh, Strawberry Fields. You know, um, she is a field and there are strawberries in it. And people who really love strawberries will go to that field and they will eat them. I hope that she gets a show in Central Park at Strawberry Fields, just right? singing Beatles songs the whole time. That would be a show I'd be going to. Next we have Kimmy Moore. Oh, Kimmy Moore. I'm, I'm actually thinking about texting her this afternoon. First of all, he's super hot as a man, <laughs> so I've always liked that. It's one of my safety you can drag sisters. And uh, it's Britney, bitch. I've never seen anybody escalate into like something so fierce so quickly i love what her and boudoir have kind of created are they what hash they're not hashtag gypsies because that was chelsea and nomi but they're coming for that gig that like cool two drag queen girl gig it's the assassins yeah drag assassins that's for sure next we have lady synagogue oh lady synagogue that she used to call me here's the fun tea she would call me during our fun um so i think you drag season six every week and we would have at least an hour conversation my boyfriend would be like oh is that moish calling you like i'm gonna go make start making dinner because he knew <laughs> that i would be talking to her for a long time and we would really recap the season um and i think that she's somebody who needs to talk things out and i didn't have anybody to do that with so i was really happy to do that and it also when you're helping someone else work through their problems, it makes it easier to have them help you through yours. So totally. while she did come up to me at DragCon and say that Iconic was as good as hers and I came in and pulled the rug out from under her and stole it, that is not the case. We were interviewed as well as Fifi Dubois. There were three girls interviewed for her job and I just got it. But she said there were no hard feelings and I hope she's being honest. <laughs> Next, we have Paige Turner herself. Oh, Paige Turner. You know, I had a very mixed opinion about Paige after my first season of So You Think You Can Drag because um, I never, I didn't really get to work with her afterwards, and a lot of the other girls did, so I thought I was doing something wrong. But then as soon as she had a place to offer me guesting, it was Wednesdays, and I had just gotten hoeing around when she was like, oh, hey, do you want to come do What the Fuck? And I'm like, oh, I, I can't now, so I understand. Um, I think she's probably... Uh, one of the smartest queens in the city. She has a brand and she has really manufactured it very, very well. People are going to continue to go to her drag diner and buy those burgers for the rest of her career. It's true. Next we have Alexis Michelle. Oh, Alexis Michelle. Oh man, what a so you think you can drag superstar. One of the inspirations to going, like watching her and Dusty in that finale was like, oh my god, I want to I wanna be up there doing that. And she judged the finale of... Um, all stars and she said to me that night like Heidi how you I've never seen you come for something harder I've never seen you look more complete and when I saw her at bloodbath later she like called me in and brought me into the little VIP area and was like I just wanted to tell you I really loved what you did and that made me feel good so you know what I'll have to what I have to say about Alexis Michelle is that she gets a bad rap for her season um some people say that about that but I know her as a person she's a genuinely good person so she's there to offer advice that's from her heart. Even if some people don't want to hear it, like she's being a good person. Yeah. So stop fucking talking shit about her, guys. Next we have Lover. Jackie Cox. Yay! Team High Camp! Um, sorry, that was probably too loud on the mic. I love Jackie Cox so much. You know, we are Team High Camp from All Stars because I just felt this kinship with her. Uh, she's like the madcap sister of that, like, Page world you know you've got Paige and Sutton and Chelsea and Cacophony and they all kind of have these different spins of what came out of that family Holly as well uh and to I think Jackie is just like my favorite piece of that puzzle I will I want to play the Jackie Cox video game every day like I want to read my kid Jackie Buck Jackie Cox storybooks 
she's a great character and the way she's like made her structured shows are are something to look at yeah. I, I admire her I'm trying she's to look a great at, storyteller I'm gonna have to ask her for some advice about cabarets myself I'm trying yeah. to do some of those next we have Daphne always oh my gosh oh, I was hoping you would ask me about Daphne when they asked me to do all stars that is one person I said I want on the cast because they said who else is cast I said I don't know I'm assuming Holly Box Springs and if they are smart Daphne always because Watching Daphne sometimes during her season was like something really cool to see. And watching her personal journey, um, seeing how beautiful she is inside and out and how she just radiates this full uh, positivity towards everyone and uses it in her art to tell her own story um, is envious. I'm very envious of that. I, it's something that it doesn't come naturally to me and it's very inspirational to see her do. Next is Nomi Sass. Nomi Sass, good. Um, hashtag drag gypsies. She was one of my first, like, okay, that's a character. When I went and saw her and Chelsea at XS for their gypsies show, Nomi would always have these one-liners and just be the funniest one because Chelsea's the one holding the show together, segueing it, introducing numbers, you know, having banter, and she's getting all the one-liners. And I'm like, that's who I want to be. <laughs> that's why I love doing shows with people, like especially with Judy, because Judy would talk and talk and talk, and I would have the opportunity to just pop in and say funny stuff and be the stupid one. And that she, I'm, honestly, Nomi helps, helped me inspire my character. So that's the tea. That's good tea. Holly Box Springs. Holly Box Springs. Well, you know, I wish she would try doing some reveals sometimes. Yeah, right? You know, she's always wearing the same dress. Um, the tea about Holly Box Springs is that we worked at Shadow Boxers on a New Year's Eve several years ago and never got paid for it. So, look at it, you boys. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have Gloria Swansong. Gloria Swansong. Oh, is this just everyone that was in Sweetie Can Drag All Stars? We're doing it. Um, I, re everyone. I remember standing next to Miss Cracker at the season seven finale of So You Think You Can Drag, and she just like grabbed me and said, this is something. Um, when we were watching Gloria do just like some sort of monologue, full story. And honestly, I don't see her do enough of that, but she does get hired to do a lot of Judy. But I just, I really want to just watch her talk and cre create these oddball acting moments. That's something that drag needs a little more of. It's like an old school meets new school situation. And she's just living her best life out there, making beautiful clothes. Next is Gilda Wabbit. What a slut. Gilda Wabbit is a, a true fish out of water. Um, I, say, I always say that I descended from bird people because of the way my face is shaped. She probably descended from fish people because she can go down for a long time without having to come up for air. <laughs> um, what did she, she always calls me a genuine, beautiful human, and I feel offended by her calling me a human. But I love seeing her. There's, I don't think there's another queen that every single time she walks in the door, I'm happy to see Gilda Webbett. It's true. She's got. She's a unique person. I Am I supposed it. to be saying mean things about people at no, the tea? Okay. Because no, no, no. <laughs> I, mean, I don't have anything to say. Well, I mean, if, it's up to you. Next person is Vita Summers. Oh, so many mean things to say about Vita. Um, how about a cool tea story moment? Actually, I don't have many mean things to say about her. She's a queen that. Uh, would call me on my shit when she started working at Lips, and I kind of felt like, oh, I'm, you know, I am, I'm, I have seniority over me. She's like, girl, I have more crowns than you have years on your calendar. <laughs> like, come on, girl. Um, Vita quit Lips uh, because she was trying to work our impersonation night. We, we had trained her as a bartender, but every time she would work, the host did not like the character she was doing. She did Megan Trainer. She did Sia. She did Gloria Estefan. She did. She tried so many things. And then we were at a staff meeting, and our owner said something about uh, how down in um, 
other locations a fat girl tried to do like Britney and it and they, it wasn't funny and that she wasn't allowed to do it and then and so Vita was like excuse me like I've, I mean I've been trying all these things and now you're just telling me I can't do characters because I'm fat I'm paraphrasing this is not exactly how the conversation went but she just said well if you have a negative attitude like that anybody that has that can walk up and leave and Vita got up went to her dressing room and cleared her shit out and walked out and that is the tea it was one of the coolest moments I love being a fly on the wall and then afterwards I was like well, I'm very thankful for my job. So, um, oh God, what do I do here? I needed her to cover some of my shifts, guys. Uh, she's fucking fierce. She'll win every pageant that she wants to win. Yeah, it's true. Next is Shiny Penny. Shiny Penny, a true woman. Um, she has her name because somebody told her a story about them eating their ass and said that it tasted like a shiny penny and she thought that was just the most so brilliant. Um, and I bet, you know, she lets people sample her Shiny coin penny. drawer anytime no that's you probably it's a, probably a very exclusive club to get into that one she is really a, a just a chill chick and i love i love um interacting with her and working with her and getting to know her outside of her connection with ruby Roo because that's how we both know each other and now we work at lips together so uh i don't know she's, she's my newest and greatest gal pal Speaking of Ruby Roo, Ruby Roo. Ruby Roo. Oh gosh, the tea on Ruby Roo is that she destroyed me. She destroyed. She did destroy my knee. It still hasn't fully recovered. I bet you can hear it pop if I do it right there. No, the microphone isn't that sensitive. But uh, she. People may think that Ruby Roo is truly a cunt, but I. I actually think that Christopher Van Cleve is like such a sweetheart. Um, maybe I like him more than I like Ruby, and I just spend all of my time with Ruby. Maybe that's the real tea. Uh, I think that she's probably to, to blame for my entire career because she's gotten me all of my consistent gigs. Well, that is not true. She worked at the places where I started working before me. So thanks for the positive Rex, sis. Uh, yeah, so the tea is uh, if I wanted to insult Ruby, I couldn't because she could have me fired from everything. <laughs> Next, we have Lauren Order. Lauren Order is probably another one of the most slept-on talents in the city. Her voice is amazing. She smokes too much cigarettes, girl. You need to work on that. But uh, she went into to sing for Mary Sunshine many times. Like Broadway looks at that girl, and she was like, "Just stop wasting my time." Like she she knows her own worth, and I so respect that. Uh, I wish that she she could sing at every single venue throughout the city. When she does Hallelujah, the house goes down. Next. Judy Darling. Judy Darling. Who? Um, just kidding. My dearest sister. I've mentioned her like eight times already. Obviously, I know who she is. Uh, making a resurgence, you know, like like a true witch from the fire. I saw her walking around the drag con. Yeah, she got to be a drag con both days. Uh, she actually texted me earlier today. I should probably check my phone after this is over to see if I've been ignoring her. Um, but what what a individually driven person that I've never I've never met somebody as driven as Judy Darling and I know that she will find success one way or another in whatever it is that she wants uh, people have said that to me in a different way they always say like well you're you know like I see that I see your light I see you as a good person you're a hard worker whatever it is you want to do I'm sure you'll do great which always makes me think like oh do you think it's not now like whatever it is I decide to do not drag but you will do great uh, with Judy it's that she she is such a chameleon and he is multifacetedly talented he will find the way to to find the talent that needs to be plugged in every hole to make that damn stick, and then they'll name the damn after her. And I have to end with Mama herself, Chandelier. 
chandelier uh what a scary individual she is so intimidating the tea about shandy is she did not ask me to be her drag daughter she i was told she was my drag mom i had gone out to townhouse with some of the girls after a tuesday and i used to only leave after one drink because i was smart but now i'm an alcoholic and um i went home and then i got a text from them because they were still there and it was like blackie lauren and maybe still ruby and shandy and they were like we've decided that chandelier is your drag mom because i guess they just had a conversation after i left like we kind of like her like she's nice and shandy's like yeah i want to help her out and they're like oh well you're gonna be your drag mom then and I'm not going to say no to that. She is so intimidating yeah. and tall. She could squash me like a bug. But for like for such a Hagrid of an intimidating person, she really is like a Dobby in the heart. She is so sweet and kind and caring and loyal. It's, it's all an exterior character. What's the best piece of advice she's given you? No, uh, don't ask for less than 150. And what is it like being her bartender? Um, I love being her bartender. It's really fun. She drinks a lot of Fireball, but uh, <laughs> I notice it now that I'm the one pouring it. Uh, but it's I think that my favorite moments of the week are when I just get to like chill out behind the bar on a slow night after her show and hang out. Like last week, it was so busy we didn't get any time to talk, and she was like, "I felt so weird." I'm like, "Yeah, it didn't really feel it didn't feel like a Monday. Like I saw your show, I was there for the whole thing, but I I was so busy. It's different. So I like um." I like bartending for her, and I like to just hang out with her on chill nights. When it's busy, I like to watch how she works a crowd. And she's truly a learning experience. Are there every things week. that you that you've taken from her performance? Oh, for sure. Half of her jokes. <laughs> just kidding. I have modified some of them though to fit my own. And then I heard her say that drag queens are like Tinkerbell and Lady Gaga, which is something I always say. She used to just say Tinkerbell, and I was like, Oh, mom, you used mine. <laughs> what is your go-to karaoke song? Mr. Cellophane. Or Come Together by the Beatles. Okay, interesting. Mr. Cellophane's like my favorite song ever. I really? Like, well, because I feel like that's my life. Um, I am Mr. Cellophane. That's, I identified so much mm -hmm, with that when I first... Mm -hmm. I still do, actually. Who would you do for the Snatch Game? Oh, love that question. Um, well, I guess there's a, a bevy of options. Obviously, I was New York City's premier Hillary Clinton impersonator. Uh, until things went downhill. So I would love to do Hillary for Snatch Game. Also because if I could get a little message at the finale that pops up and is like, hey, I'm Madam Secretary, um, that would be cool. But Ellen DeGeneres is always mm -hmm. something that I've been working on, I've auditioned with. Like that's, people people like that, but I don't do that out in public because you gotta save something. You gotta save something. Uh, then of course, another one of my biggest inspirations is Sarah Jessica Parker. And you just answer every question with gay husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wrote gay husband. <laughs> if you had to pick one New York City drag queen to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be and why? Well, I, I would want to say Britta Filter because she's such a hustler, but we're both asthmatics and we can't both have that debilitating true, true. situation going for us. So I'm going to have to say somebody who will just pick me up and carry me through the whole thing. Um, Tina Burner. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. That would be really fun. And also, she knows how to make some TV, so she would mm -hmm. make it. She, she'd be so mean to me, but it would be a really great relationship. Tina, let's sign up. Fuck that other reality show. It's <laughs> two amazing rates. So I hear you watch um, a little show called Survivor. I do. I'm a very big Survivor fan. It, Drag Race and Survivor are the two reality shows I watch all the do time. Do you have any favorite Survivors ever? 
Um, well, yes, Elizabeth. Elizabeth from season two, Outback. Yeah, Elizabeth now like, Hasselback. That was like my first big crush. Yes, me Oops. too. Oops, <laughs> sorry. A spoiler I loved alert. Elizabeth Flarsky. Me too. I wanted to marry Elizabeth Flarsky. I thought that that was my path, actually. Or my my backup was Amber, and then All Stars mm-hmm. happened, and yeah. she is one of my favorite survivors because a girl who made it to the end made that network give her a million dollars and pay for her wedding. Truth. Like she's such a businesswoman. And, and now what did she do? do? Disappear and let her husband go on and win exactly. a million after. And, and she, they got to do the Amazing Race twice. And like I didn't know that they did the Amazing twice. Race together twice. twice. I have some catching up to do. Yeah, um, I met one of my favorite players ever the other day, Who? Eliza Orleans. Oh my gosh, really, mm-hmm. Eliza? I love Eliza. Oh, from this last season, I actually really took a liking to Kellen. Mm-hmm. Something happened with her during her time, so I'm like, oh, you're smart. You're just it didn't really work for my you. My favorite from Ghost Island um, was Bradley. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually had a thing for Jonathan too, um, but I just somebody choices, choices. somebody choices. who blows up. Multiple plans at Tribal makes me upset, but yeah. I didn't meet them the other night, but I did see um, Wendell and Dominic. Really? They were in town? Uh, well, I was at the Survivor Know It Alls, oh. so I got to see it. Oh my God. Um, and Chris Noble was there in, um, in person. It's intimidating is how it? stunning he is. Oh. See, he looks, oh, he got, God. he gets, he gets the, you know, there's a certain eyes that happen with a straight man who's playing Survivor who's on the outs and they get those crazy eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where did you find all that testosterone dude yeah. out there? I'm just a sucker for a blonde and oh my God, he's gorgeous. Michael was my boy from Ghost Island yeah. for sure. Well, I just, it was an age thing. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Oh, well, 18, it's fine. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I have these like old video footage, something I use from Say so Think You Can Drag, of me lip syncing as a kid. I also have video footage of me when I was in junior, well, middle school. I brought my fr- friends out to my property for the week and made them sleep outside and do Survivor for three That's days amazing. and vote each other out. Um, a lot of my friends got mad at me in the end because I was Jeff Probst and then they made them turn on each other. <laughs> I didn't realize that the social experiment would really create rifts in actual friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dream is my full dreams are to win multiple reality shows. So bring how, it on, how Survivor. Th- how do you think you would fare on Survivor? I don't think my body could do it. Honestly, I don't think that I, my body would be cut out to do it. I can barely like eat an, a regular normal meal in the day and not throw up. So I think that my body is just killing myself every day from all the things that I do. And when I go out there, I would just be a complete shutdown. Socially, I'd be great. I think I could do enough athletically. And the challenges, because I'm, I'm a good endurance person, and I have a smart mind for puzzles. But it's that physical aspect. I don't know if I could be uncomfortable like that in the rain. That's fair. I, I hear that. Ugh, like a cyclone coming through in Fiji, and you just there's no dryness for nope. days on end. That's the one part that I'm not sure if I could do. But I am willing to try. Tis the season for scary movies. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite scary movie? Oh, really? My favorite scary movie of all time? Mm-hmm. That's really hard. It's, it's can I just say the Scream franchise as an entirety? Sure, go for it. It's I mean, it's, Scream One, obviously, that's terrifying. I have, am traumatized from watching as a child and seeing what happened to Rose McGowan, um, or to that mannequin rather. Once you watch it a second <laughs> time, you're like, that's not as scary. You can see it, but th- that is brilliant. It's campy in a way, and the way they kept reinventing themselves. Scream Four is brilliant. Even the television show should get due credit. I watched, I think, the whole thing. Um, who knows? There might be another season coming out. There isn't. So we're going to play the Pop 5 Rapid Fire. Oh, gosh. So okay. going to be five current event topics. You're going to say the first thing, story, phrase, whatever you want to say about it. Okay. 
Number one is Kim Patras, Turn Off the Light, Volume 1. Uh, I'm not excited about what she said in regards to Dr. Luke. That's fair. That's fair. Number two is Yankees vs. Red Sox. Ugh, like, just take me to a hockey game instead. No, I don't even watch hockey. Why did I say that? Football. <laughs> Number three, Judge Kavanaugh. Ugh, hashtag I as well. Like, that, it's disgusting. I can't even, and I was watching some of his testimony live. It's just like, I don't want to say anything nasty. Monster. Yeah. Monster. Number four, Murphy Brown. Oh, so excited. And I love in the commercials that they're showing old clips of the show because mm-hmm. everyone's like, wow, she looks great. And then I'm like, shut up, guys. She does look <laughs> great. But you, no, it's, it's clearly old footage. Uh, so excited. I wasn't even a huge fan of Murphy Brown because I'm generationally, I don't think it was right in my age range to be watching. And also, like, my parents are Republicans. So they're not a fan of, like, right. independent women. Number five, <laughs> A Star is Born. Oh, what do you think I'm doing tonight? Please. Uh, actually, probably not doing that. I have to cook a dinner. Uh, I, I'm Oscar. I want her to have an Oscar so badly. I'm so ready to go cry in the theater. Everything about this. I haven't seen any other version of A Star is Born, but I know of them. My mom is a huge Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand fan, and I think it's probably because she loves that movie, but she's never talked to me about it, so I can't wait to maybe actually call her out of the blue. And she'll be like, what? Are you okay? And I'll be like, I have to talk to you about Barbara. <laughs> so it could be bridging relationship gaps and if Gaga does that for me she'll have done everything she's she's a legend so I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question okay and this is a question from Kahana Montrese oh my gosh Kahana Montrese asking Heidi Ho a question her question for you is have you ever had sex in drag well the face was on one time uh, I I, it was like I did a Saturday gig and I had to do brunch and I wasn't that great at being a queen and my boyfriend and I were feeling a little frisky and I just kind of like kept my head kind of turned so that <laughs> I didn't have to see what was going on there. So yeah, I guess technically. Now is your turn to ask a question to my next guest. Okay, so do I just come up with it on the spot? Do I know who your next guest is? You don't get to know. Oh, it's a surprise. Okay, well, I have to say this. If you were to choose any former first lady to see done in a like a autobiopic production, who would you want to see? And as a bonus, who would you want to play them? That's good. I like that. I just thought of that on the spot. Thanks. Well, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, use hashtag hoeing around. Hashtag hoeing around. Now, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on all of social media's family reunion. Uh, Instagram at Heidi the Ho. That's H E I D I, like the sad children's book about that little girl whose dad died. T H E, it's an English word, the, and then Ho spelled H A U X, like foe, because I'm the fake Ho. And you can see your road to the runway there. Yes, I am doing a project where every Thursday I release a new photo that uh, coincides with every single runway challenge from every single episode of Drag Race. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, we're still only on season two, so I'm kind of getting some of my more pedestrian looks out of the way. Because once you get to seasons three and four, just the ante is really upped, and mm-hmm. all, that's when all the custom pieces are coming out. So, you you know, I, I'm commissioning people now to get that shit done, and I have uh, any extra bookings that you could give me. I'll need them just to pay for Road to the Runway. And are you on the Venmo? 
I am on the Venmo. You can find me at Heidi underscore Ho. So any anonymous donors that want to see great looks on Instagram or live at any of my weekly shows, you know, Sunday or Tuesday at Lips, Wednesdays at the Duplex, or Saturday afternoons at Pieces, you know, Venmo me some coin and I'll get you some good shit on my body. And you will be back for season two of the iconic yes, a new drag competition. A new drag competition. It still can be called new for several seasons. I agree. Um, we we're actually going to start opening the audition pool as soon as we can. So keep an eye on that. Last time I put the link on my Instagram bio. Uh, we'll do that again. So keep an eye out for it. We'll make a special announcement. But um, you know what I hear is winter is coming. Winter is coming. There may be a win in. I'm excited. Well, Heidi, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. It's really easy. Thanks. The biggest thanks to Heidi for coming on. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.